Hello and welcome to Two Teachers Talking. It's Tony Blackburn. Let's have a great show, everyone. <laughs> what? What was that? That's just a fantasy impression of Tony Blackburn. Is that... Are we going to get told off again? By who? Tony Blackburn? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Come out, Tony. Yeah. Yes. I just want to do... What would you, who would you do an impression of if you had to? <laughs> like, your, like your favourite DJ or radio host? Oh, I don't know. No. no Not idea. for you. K, maybe. Oh, God. Can you no. do an impression of him? No, I can't. No. I think it's pretty terrible, actually, but whatever. And hello, Jay. Yes, we'll introduce you in a minute. Jay, who was your favourite DJ? Could you do an impression of them? Terry Wogan, maybe. Go on, then. Give us a moment. I don't know if I could do an impression of Wogan. No. Um, no, I'm not, not sure I'm confident that, that early in the pod to be, to be dropped. Yeah. Out Silky voice, yes. Terry Wogan. We did love Terry. I'll do Ken Bruce next week. Don't. Oh, that'll be good. That'll yeah, be yeah. Good. Don't. Okay. Fiona Bruce, more like. <laughs> yeah. uh, hello, then, and welcome to... Uh, Tales of Two Teachers with me, Em. And me, Em. And Jay for this week. Hello. Hello. Um, we've been off for two weeks, haven't we? Well, One week you couldn't be there. One week I wasn't very well and wasn't there. So uh, yeah. we apologise for our absence. However, we're back with a bang. <laughs> An emphasis on bang. Indeed. Uh, but we are without B. Yes, B's busy, so she's not here yeah. uh, this afternoon. However, Probably the main be... part of our throuple. It's the only reason people listen now, isn't it? Yeah. This will be tanking audience numbers already. They'll have switched off. You shouldn't have told them so early that she yeah. wasn't here no, yet. We should have said she, yeah, was, she, 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 she might arrive at the end. end. Or we could have just we could pretend that you were her. Just with a very <laughs> sore throat. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this week we'll do our usual. We have some guests. We'll do our questions and put the questions to each other and our guests as well. We'll hear a little bit of our guests' life. Yeah. And then, because of where we're going straight after this, yes. where are we going? We're on date night, aren't we? we we're are. going to the cinema. With a number of people. We are. Yes. Um, so we're going to go and watch Napoleon. Uh-huh. Ridley Scott's Napoleon. Uh, so we'll have a review of the film maybe next week, but we're just yeah. going to talk through some everything uh, Napoleon-esque. Mm. And you're going to do a little bit on philosophy as well, and I have a quiz sort of related to it for you two at the end as well. Lovely. Should we go straight in? Yeah, let's go straight in. Okay. Question one. I think mm. this is because I mentioned it once. This is from Christy. I don't know whether it's... Tony or, you know... Uh, Malcolm. Maybe not the serial killer, John Christie. Uh, running. How far have you ever run in your life before from Christie? How far have I ever run? Yeah, what's the maximum distance? <laughs> when did we ever discuss one? I must have mentioned it once and this person must have enjoyed running. Uh, well, I was actually the, the captain of the cross-country team in well, my, what, in what, my what? school. Cross- yeah, I got my... Yeah, cross on. Well, we didn't play football, so I had to do cross-country instead. And I actually got my full colours for doing that. Thank you very much. Oh, my God. Uh, so how far have I run? Probably not that far, because even long-distance running at school would only ever be, I think, between four and six miles, probably. So probably f- between four and six miles. Don't know. I've no. definitely never run a marathon or anything like that. No, no, OK. Jack? Yeah, probably about the same same distance, I'd mm. say. But that would have been, like... I think I've probably done years, a bit more. Years ago, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, similar, similar things like we've been school running, things like that. But school runnings. Yeah, just like, you know like, what? Oh, clever, <laughs> clever. School runs. Yeah. <laughs> There's going to be plenty of one-upmanship tonight, I'm yeah. afraid. If yeah. you've been to Tenerife, I've probably been to eleven. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, and I've run, I think the maximum I've ever run is 10 miles. I remember running that and I enjoyed it very much. I don't believe you've ever run 10 miles. I promise you I did. With my ex-ex, two exes ago, she joined lots of uh, marathon week. training. Brilliant. She did lots of marathon training and she and I, and my brother ran 10 miles. Whoa. I think that's probably the most I've ever done. Um, well, I was going to ask someone else about running now. Yeah, hang on. So you didn't play football at school? Where did you play football? Just in your after school? Yeah, amazing. I missed a lot of time. Oh my God. I missed a lot of time playing football. Like a good five, six years. Not why, playing. why no football at school? Why? Uh, private, private school. school. Same, same with me. Yeah. That's why. But I'm terrible and you're not, so how does that work? 
Uh, you just play a lot after school, didn't you? Yeah. So you're very much like a Brazilian or Argentinian player, so nothing formal, just learn it on the street. Yeah, and you're more, like a, there, you're more like a, a Moldovan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Totally talentless. <laughs> San Marino. That kind of thing, sadly. Okay, thank you for that, Christy, about running. We've <laughs> never mentioned that again. Um, number two from Mike. Why do teachers complain so much? Oh, God, it could be a while, mm, couldn't we? Very, that sounds a bit very, aggressive. Very generic statement. Why do it? teachers complain so much about their, I think it's about their jobs? Why do we complain so much? Pl- I think, actually, we've got plenty of reason to complain. I think uh, we've spoken about this in the past, haven't we? It's like, probably the, the greatest fallacy ever told is that work hard in school, pass all your exams, <laughs> and what, end up like us on, <laughs> on a bog average wage. Well, um, drop out and go and press buttons on a production line and then probably twice as much as us instead. Okay. So maybe maybe we do have some reasons to complain. I'm not sure I don't what you know. Mean, Mike. figures from there, but whatever. <laughs> what do you think, Mike? <laughs> uh, why do teachers complain? Don't know. I mean, we've been here very late this last week. I've been getting very early because we had a lot of work to do. Yeah. Lots of people have lots of work to do. a lot do. of grief, don't we? Yeah, there's probably there's more variables in teaching than a lot of other jobs. A lot of other jobs have like quite mundane like structure to them, whereas I think we've got like the variables are like obviously the students that we have in the class the content that you're teaching the like deadlines that you have to they have to face all on top of that Mm. um so the amount of things that can go wrong because there's more of them i think probably in teaching than maybe in some other professions that might be a reason why we yeah why we complain more yeah absolutely uh, I'm just all horrible people. Yeah, that yeah, doesn't, yeah, that doesn't help, true. does yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it's It's fairly appalling. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know where Mike gets that from. We... I don't know the colour color of these questions, though, I think it's, it's fairly cathartic as well, isn't it? Sometimes a good, a good moan is oh, like... Oh, God, yeah, it's got to happen. What, what yeah. need, School so. teachers, like, same as being very British, isn't it? Mm. We moan about the weather, we moan yeah, about what yeah. we do. I did see those teachers got themselves in some mischief the other day, though, in, in their WhatsApp group. Someone leaked what some... They hadn't used any students' names or something. They'd just spoken at some classes that they'd found quite hard in probably some more colourful terms, and they got leaked to the papers and they got in quite a lot of trouble. Oh, dear. No, no, so you better stop sending me those messages. <laughs> uh, stop sending me those pictures and I'll stop sending the messages, OK? <laughs> Why don't more exams have other way of assessing than just writing? This is from Alan. That's a good question. Well, it is set by the government, mm. uh, usually by people who have no sort of experience in the education sector, usually, but um, certainly... From an English perspective, when we lost yeah. coursework, we did lose the ability to sort of scaffold that, that bottom cohort of children. Um, that didn't help at all. But yeah, an, an exam at the end of sort of uh, between 10 and 11 years of education is like a World Cup final, isn't it? Um, they get one chance yeah. at it. Um, I'm, I'm a believer in coursework. I think you, you've followed that, don't you? I would certainly be with you on that, yes. When history coursework it used to be in GCSE, didn't it? It was a bit of a nightmare. It's still at A-level for mm-hmm. history. It's a bit, it was a bit of a nightmare at GCSE, but if you did it right, it gave those guys who maybe found exams a bit difficult something else to, to build on. Being, being, being judged over a period of time mm. is, is surely is better than getting one yeah. chance in one you know, two-hour exam. Absolutely. Was, I mean... What was the question? The question was actually about writing. Why yeah. is there other ways to... So, I mean, coursework, obviously, would be written, so... Mm, I missed the question, today. It'd be hard, though, to... I'm sure we could... Because other languages, like, they do listing and speaking exams. Speaking exams, I don't have mm. to... But do they write something and then say it, though? I think they do, don't they? Mm, they prepare it, don't they? So they still write something. A lot of the coursework know. is typed, though, isn't it, at least? So. Yeah, I think it'd just be hard to get away from having to write something there must be I'm sure there'd be a way to try and assess more orally or more 
the different ways, so or hourly. So there'll be other ways to assess. There are other ways to try it. It's just that mm. it's not something that, as you say, the DFE haven't experimented with it ever. So no. I don't see it being on the agenda. So you're right. I, I, we also have spag marks in history at GCSE. And I feel when I have obviously, we all teach children with different mm-hmm. needs, sometimes dyslexic. Mm. And, they, you know, they're, they're losing marks than being unfairly uh, kind of... I feel treated. like there's a real stigma around, like, writing there, isn't there? Like, the, we have classes that don't want to write, you know, like, oh. like extended writing they find really difficult. Mm. Um, and that's, like, one of my, like, great gripes of the profession and of, like, teaching history in particular because like writing should be something that's really fun mm. and like seen as being like quite like romantic the way that like, the fact that they're able to like share their thoughts on paper and like own them mm. and have more ownership of them i think is something that's really like like inspiring or should be like seen as like an, a, like a real opportunity mm. but often i think like lower down the school there's too many mundane tasks that they're like that are that students have to have to do with it from, from a writing perspective which makes them then resent writing yeah by the time on. they get later on yeah, 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 yeah rather than seeing it as a real opportunity to, mm. to show off their knowledge and their... a romantic way of looking at writing is nice isn't mm. it yeah uh, okay oh god Demi can we do this next week because there's a lot of questions here. what does progress look like in your lesson or subject which is really I think we've spoken about that briefly the last time I progress we'll is really to, hard to yeah I think we'll have to we will do that again do I'll just keep great, that is a good question Demi but That's I think the that needs question. greater depth oh god yes how do you broaden horizons of your students from Charlie? So this isn't just about um, teaching, but broadening horizons. What are you laughing at? I'm just thinking about a term that you love so much. Cultural capital. Oh, God. How do you broaden horizons of your students from Charlie? Which is a good question, because that's, that's, not, all, that's not just about teaching them content and stuff, is it? That's no. something a bit different. So how do we do that? What do we think? I think we try to give them as many cultural opportunities as we can, take them to see things, whether that's art galleries or theatres and different shows and things like that mm-hmm. and we've got a few you know, quick small and twee <laughs> museum, <laughs> museums in our, in our, yeah, in our yeah, locality yeah. we try and get them out in the community as much as we can as well mm. learn about um, well learn about things extra to the curriculum isn't it when we broaden the horizons though because I always struggle with that because broadening horizons needs to be a bit more than the local area because otherwise the yeah. horizons become just it ends at the end of the town limit or whatever yeah. um, I think that every place I've worked has found this difficult so sometimes students just don't see the opportunities beyond the world mm-hmm. beyond some of that's probably to do with our curriculum not here but just generally um, and it's perhaps limitations just generally um, but it is hard to broaden students' horizons. It's not, you can't just tell them, you know, let's do these amazing things, there's loads of great things. Sometimes they'll take an interest and sometimes they just don't. And it's, it's not easy to force them to be interested in these, these other experiences or things available. That's not necessarily like our individual <coughs> jobs as teachers, though, is it? It's the reason why we offer like a broad curriculum is that it gives them hopefully an opportunity to find their niche mm. or their area where they are, like, where, where they really enjoy. And then do we as a, as a whole school, you know, like, not just from like a selfish perspective from us three, but as a whole school, do we then offer them the chances to like go down those avenues further and that and broaden those horizons? Yeah. They don't have to necessarily be the specific ones that we want them to go down. No. It's how do we then facilitate where, like, the, where the routes are they, they want to take. go. Yeah. Mm. It's sort of like leading them to the path and then just getting them started and mm. they go off and explore themselves. That's, it's not easily done, is it? And obviously we're all under time pressures all the time and, 
data precious, but that's a little inspiration thing. When you can do that and you do it, you know, you just mention, you talk about something and someone takes an interest, sometimes not to do with your subject and they just go off and they love it and they want to know more about it. I, I think, think we've all had that occasion. I think we're really good at offering like those extra chances of going abroad and seeing, like getting further afield. Like the school runs mm. more trips, I think, mm. than, than, than most others. Definitely. So, Certainly um, not. Yeah. Well, I think they're probably more likely to see those things in school than they are at home. Yeah. Because obviously, mm. we, you know, we help to facilitate that and it's easier for people. Yeah. So yeah. It's not an easy question. We do our best, though, I think. No, it's not easy. Di- very difficult. Um, trying. Yeah. Okay, so this is the part where we have our guests, where our guest gets to do a little bit of speaking. Mm. Um, so Jay, uh, Jay, we like when we had um, LNR on. Yeah, is technically my employee. <laughs> Not really. Lover. No. <laughs> Good lord. Uh, <laughs> but um, Jay, we, we usually have here, and you're an avid listener of the podcast, we know. So this is where a part where you usually will tell us a little bit about your life, your route into teaching, and your uh, kind of career so far. Okay. And then we'll ask you some little probing questions along the way. And then uh, it'll be nice. Okay. So go okay. take it away. Um, yeah, very starstruck before we get started. You know, like, <laughs> this is what they say about meeting your heroes. Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so started teaching uh, in uh, 20. Well, once I did my degree, finished my degree in the University of Leicester um, and went to China off the back of that. So um, went to do some English teaching out there for six months. What was that like? Um, interesting, uh, like complete different clash of cultures. So from a very, like, I'm from a very rural um, like background in, in Wales. I went to uni in Leicester, which was very different. And then um, going from there to, to China was just like completely blew my mind, really. So mm. um, the city that we were in, is, in Chenzhou, is like a population of 10 million people, <laughs> which is like, just, but was seen as nothing, seen as being quite, you know, almost an insignificant um, place in, in China. So um, it was good. Was, um, it was, I, I was like one of a hundred maybe um, British people that were in the city. So we had like quite a close like expat community. Mm-hmm. So I knew some people before I went out there, yeah. um, which helped. Um, but the school was almost like a, like a finishing school in a way. So students would go to their days that from like 5am 5 a, 5 to four o'clock in the afternoon and then they would come to my school then for night school for the evening um okay so or, and you'd also have like people who would be you know maybe, like the oldest student i'd have had would have been like maybe 60 who was just paid the school to come and yeah, learn yeah. english and yeah like um i was very much a face there rather than than, than anything else so um you know, they wanted to be taught by somebody who's like a native English speaker. Mm-hmm. So they basically get me in to do conversation classes. So, you know, it was like, what have you had for breakfast today? What, like, you know, and, and so trying to develop that, you get like varying like levels of um, like their English speaking ability. But because I had like no like Mandarin, like mm. uh, uh, that was like a barrier, but because they all had a, like a base of English, like you, you, managed, you managed to get by. Yeah. Can you speak any Mandarin now? No. None at all? Well, well I could say like Ni Hao, but then everyone could say that. How long were you there? Six months. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was young and naive, and I wasn't perhaps diving into the culture perhaps as I would now. Okay. But yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so that was, that was good. That was, it gave me that like, good experience. Um, when I came back from there, uh, it was kind of like in, a, in the, like, the dip, and I want, like, so it was uh, like February time. So, 
no one's taking on PGC. I knew I wanted to go into teaching after coming back from that. So worked in a car dealership for for a few months just to sort of get some. <laughs> you were a wheeler dealer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh absolutely, out on the forecourt. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, and then moved from there to do my PGC in Chester. Mm-hmm. Um, after I finished my PGC, I hated it so much. I went straight to Australia to do to do to get myself away from teaching as much as I could. Um, really. Why, what did you hate about it when you finished your PGC your training? I just think, I think the, the whole process of the PGC is very um, demeaning. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's putting you, who's got no experience of what it's like in the classroom, in front of kids with someone at the back of the room to tell you what you're doing wrong rather mm-hmm. than what you're doing Trial right. Trial by fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, yeah, so it's very much like a sink or swim. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I was doing okay, but um, the people in the back of the room didn't didn't think that uh-huh. and, I, and, I, and I just I just thought maybe this isn't for me then so um, went to Australia to um, and worked at Melbourne University for a little bit um, they're just doing some like uh, some research and some literature reviews for the agricultural sciences department <sighs> in the University of Melbourne um, and uh, then returned and when I returned to the UK um, I had my teaching qualification I thought we'll give it another go and then I've never looked back mm. from there, and I find myself here. So taught in a variety of schools, taught in uh, the private sector, taught in a grammar school, um, and what a sellout! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so been, been around, been around the block in terms of that, but um, yeah, yeah have, I've moved. Recently moved back, uh, or moving the process of moving mm. back to uh, where I was from originally, which has led me to here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. An observation rather than a question, but interesting how. A lot of the guests we've had have faced some sort of reject, rejection or don't didn't want to pursue the career and then Ooh. have ended up back with it. Anyway, yeah, shows yeah, you yeah. then obviously yeah. it is a vocation that must be a calling. It's a siren people. call. She's a siren mistress. Is education? She she's she's calling impossible onto the rocks. <laughs> impossible to ignore. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and obviously, um, you've been. Well, you, you've also been a leader of politics, haven't you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, during. Uh, no, so just before COVID hit, uh, yeah, I was given the, the job of being the, the head of politics oh. at the school. So, um, yeah, in, enjoyed that. Um, like, I think eventually it'd be nice to go into other like leadership roles or just to sort of explore that. Um, but at the moment, there's too many other challenges I'm trying to get my head around, and I'm just very, very happy to be getting through the school day. Not getting through the school day, really enjoying the school day. Yeah. yeah. So I'll be fired by next year. No, 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 no. Matt's, uh, oh, sorry. Oh. Uh, M, M, is, M is, uh, is doing a wonderful job in his role. Yeah, I will say that. That's what oh, so cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you very much, sir. That's very good. That um, good. Again, it's like more people that have travelled and way worked more than way me. more than yep. I have. Yep. I get all jealous about it. Very, very boring in comparison. I know what it's time for. M and M abroad. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or we could do a year of teaching abroad yeah. and just podcast from where would you want to where should we teach? Where should we go? Um like Turks and Caicos, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like okay. out the way. I, I was gonna say Seychelles. Seychelles, yeah, yeah much nice. the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where we could go together. Or Bahamas. Yeah, yeah. nice. Yeah. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, I'd have to work on my beach bod. Yes, you, you would have to work <laughs> on that. Very more. hard. You um, have those ten mile runs, and you'll be there. I'll be sorted, yeah, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Oh God. So yeah, more guests that are way more interesting than we are. Yeah. Why do we have a? We, they should have the podcast, not us. They should. Yeah. Okay. Um, so in order to prep ourselves for this evening, we've, we've been thinking all things 
sort of like revolutionary France and, and, and thereabouts. So just to set the context a little bit for Napoleon then, because you have done a little bit of one of my favourite thinkers. Ah, You've done hmm. some stuff on... Uh, yeah, a tiny little yeah. bit on Francois-Marie Arouet. Is <laughs> yeah, that how you pronounce yeah, I would it? say so. Yeah, also known as... Voltaire. Voltaire. So we're just going to do very quick idiots' guides to, and we're the idiots, to Voltaire, and I've done something on Napoleon that I know you know a bit about, but yeah. let's start with Voltaire. I just thought I'd do an idiots' guide to Voltaire because uh, sort of reading into his philosophy, and I've been reading a little bit of some of his some of his bits and bobs. Obviously, there's an awful lot of material oh. that has come from um, arguably the the greatest writer and thinker of of that sort of Enlightenment period. In France and, and and in Britain actually as well, and I can see why he would be very much up your street. Go on, um, why? So um, probably his most his two most famous pieces of literature uh, would be Candide and uh, his uh, Lettre de Philosophy. You know who it is? Oh my God, bees here. Um, the listeners are back, and he's a. <laughs> He's a great advocate and his philosophy relies around the idea of reason and how sort of social uh, social progress can be resolved always by reason and mm. thereby he is a, a critique of uh, tyranny, yeah. bigotry, yeah. religion, uh-huh. government and that's where you come in, isn't it? <laughs> so, um, you know, one of France's greatest thinkers... Um, bit of a lad at the same time. <laughs> yeah, all? bit of a womanizer. Uh-huh. He falls out. His his satirical style lends itself to criticism, and France at the time was not particularly uh, overtly um, inclusive when it came to religion. So some of his pieces that sort of mock and and um, are quite satirical when it comes to religion and government process and kingship. Um, land him in a bit of hot water. He falls out with one of the heads of uh, one of the leading families in France. Ends up basically having the living um, um, proverbial yes. kicked out of him. <laughs> he ends up in the Bastille and actually shipped off to um, to England. And he isn't actually he's a massive fan of England because somehow England was far more free, certainly religiously than France was at the time. He was a, a big follower of people like Locke and uh, wow. Isaac Newton. They were his, they were his um, the people that he, he really enjoyed to, um, to read and follow as well. And um, yeah, he's one of the, probably one of the greatest thinkers of, our, of, of that time period in France. Mm. It's not easy to, to be a reasoning person, obviously revolutions all around, and he's actually shaping, he's actually shaping history, isn't he? He's not just recording it and philosophising about it, he's shaping it, a bit yeah. like John Locke did. He's um, one of, you know, at the time, is probably the closest thing to sort of a Hollywood star as you get. You know, he is in the courts of kings. Mm. He is writing for and, you know, writing about uh, Louis XIV and other people as well. Um, he's well known on both sides of the channel, which was probably quite unusual as well. And he's in the era of exiles from Britain and exiles from France. From France as well. Mm. Yeah, so very fascinating dude. He's a good bloke. I like his poems. Very talented yeah, poems. He does also. get quite uh, a few mentions in uh, the Bernard Cornwell classic Sharp as well. <laughs> mm. Of course he does. Yeah. Actually, was Sean Bean actually there? 
Yeah, he was. He makes it feel like Probably. he doesn't. He yeah. does. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for contextualising, obviously, the, the, the revolutions going on in France. And obviously, Napoleon stepped up at the time um, in the 18th and then into the 19th centuries. Uh, one of the biggest figures of this time period. Mm. My knowledge of him is okay. I don't know a huge amount about Napoleon. From what I hear, Ridley's probably not going to give me the greatest history lesson of my life, but it's only a film, it's not a documentary, so I don't mind. Um, but I just wanted to, you quite know quite a lot about Napoleon, and I was just gonna say, can you please explain to me his maneuver de derriere? <laughs> maneuver de derriere. <laughs> so when I was, looking, I was doing some reading on him, and this was, his, this was a, of two very famous battlefield um, things that he did. Mm-hmm. It was one of his uh, movements. The maneuver de derriere was his most famous, apparently. Um, get behind the army onto the communication lines very yeah. quickly to cut off reinforcements where, where, and supplies. Where was that? Was that Borodino? He was using it throughout his uh, campaigns, mainly against the... Um, so the third coalition campaign in the yeah. early 1800s. Um, but obviously, he, what was good about, what was interesting about Napoleon is he didn't use supply lines in the same way that previous no. medieval and Renaissance um, kings and queens had. No. So he did the thing which, uh, in the 20th century, is found to be very difficult, which was basically have what was around you. So harvest the land and use it as you went. So take what you needed yeah. from the, the nearby land. And obviously, uh, when... And that happened, that was applied later, so it was very influential in the 20th century. But that's where you get a lot of that scorched earth from, in particular World War II, because the Soviets, for example, knew that um, the Nazis were going to copy some of Napoleonic tactics, which would become standard by then. Mm-hmm. So they just destroyed all their own, own yeah. area and territory when they retreated. The gates need to have drawn out sort of logistics lines Long that can be easily lines. cut off. Yeah. So it was a good idea, and it was right. very influential, used for hundreds of more years. But mm-hmm. the supply line idea, obviously, let, well, not using supply lines does lead to some pretty terrible disasters in the 20th century. Yeah. So it's not Napoleon's fault. But certainly that was a thing there. But anyway, I thought you'd like uh, Maneuver de Derriere. I certainly liked it. I imagine you did. Uh, I also was interested in a couple of these military um, changes. So his Mm -hmm. use of artillery was really interesting. Uh, One of the first ones to start bunching it together. So batteries, I think, basically came from Napoleon, where uh, he started to bunch it all up and put them all in the same place so that you could cause major damage rather than having spread out along a line. And of course, again, in World War I, we see that, don't we? Your bat- yeah. Artillery batteries are hugely used and useful. So and he's very using, using cannon and cavalry, to, the cannon to soften a part of the line and then the cavalry to so exploit the gap that was it. made. Yeah. It's interesting, he talked a lot about, if it was going to, basically it was a brief, it was only a very brief summary, but talking about artillery movement as well, which obviously in gunpowder age wasn't necessarily what we thought about. So you had your blokes line up, fire, reload and fire, and then you had occasional charges. Yeah. But he was much, much bigger on using movement all the time, which I'm hoping, because the trailer even for this film looks pretty visceral, they're going to reflect that in the film as mm-hmm. well. Um, I also, I've, I always knew about the Napoleonic Code a little bit, but I really like learning, I read again about that, about civics and his impact on civics, not just on military, and the Napoleonic Code's a really interesting one, dumping the ancient regime's kind of scattershot approach, which I guess was informed a little bit by their own, we're the ones in charge and no one else is going to need this, so we'll do what we like with it, to a much more formalised system in France. And then obviously we've copied a lot of that, so that's been really influential in terms of civics uh, and how governments and societies are organised. And the Napoleonic Code, really important there. And it also created centralised government and centralised education, which of course we work in. So thank you for that, Napoleon. Um, Are we going to mention about Josephine or are we going to move on from that? You mentioned Josephine. Okay, he had. Uh, it was, he didn't marry Josephine eventually. Was that just his mistress? Uh, no, it was his wife. Wasn't it? It was his wife. He just loved Josephine very much, didn't he? She um, wasn't her abode, the Malmaison, which is obviously it's a hotel chain named after it. Mm-hmm. It's quite a uh, pr- promiscuous. 
wasn't it? The goings on at, the, oh God, at yes. this particular residence. I think I think the the potted history of him and Josephine is spattered <laughs> with all sorts of horrors. Without a shadow of doubt. And one of my favourite ever things, I think it was about 15 years ago, they discovered Napoleon and Josephine's letters they'd written to each other. They'd finally been revealed. They'd found a secret stash of them. And um, very funnily, my favourite line was Napoleon said to um, Josephine, I think of you every day, my love. I don't touch even pudding. And I don't know if that was a euphemism or not. <laughs> I think yeah. we'll leave that one to the audience to decide. I'm Napoleon was being a bit naughty there. He was a very smart <laughs> man. Uh, so I'm very much looking forward to this film. I am ex- very excited about yes. it. We've been we've been talking about this for a long time. Uh, it we? almost went AWOL because it's very busy at the moment here at work. We almost blew it, but um, then M and B and J actually put a formal complaint to. Yeah, they'd organised childcare, and I am childless um, and womanless, so I, I have nothing to go home <laughs> without woman. Indeed. Okay. Are you need a Josephine. Woman? I really do. Uh, I touch pudding very... I eat pudding regularly, yeah. <laughs> so, bees left the room, water unfortunately. Water shed, Em, water shed. <laughs> Sorry. Bees left the room, unfortunately. I thought she was going to stick around and do this quiz that I've made, but no worries, because Jay's here. Yeah, she saw Jay was here, and she said, she, no, yeah, there's yeah, no yeah, way. Intellectually uh, intimidating. So what have you got for us today, Em? <clears throat> so my quiz today that I'm doing for you guys, ten questions. I've gone for a little bit, because we're sticking with sort of a Napoleonic theme. We know, of course, Abba's classic, Waterloo. Oh, yeah. And all about Napoleon there. And I thought, well, I wonder what other famous events and people in history are mentioned in some songs. So I've kept it musical. Okay. A bit historical as well. Um, and there's ten questions related to this sort of thing. Okay. So, are we ready? I'm ready. Ready when you right, are. Right, it's JVM. Here we go. So, number one. Boney M sung Ra Ra Rasputin, of course. But what was his first name? What is Rasputin's first name? <sighs> I can see one of the answers. That's, that's not bad, you know. Okay. Hey, don't, no cheating. Don't, don't come cheating. on into cheek. Number two. Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark called one of their hits Enola Gay. But what was the Enola Gay? Oh, good. Yeah. Number three. The Vaccines, good band, wrote about Bikini Atoll. But what was Bikini Atoll? Number four. Oh, this is world class. Which Cranberry song famously dealt with the issue of violence and the troubles? What a song that is. Absolute One of the greatest. Banger. One of our colleagues thinks the Miley Cyrus version is superior. It's not. <laughs> I was very That's upset. not. After this podcast is finished, you can tell me who that is. <laughs> yeah, we want names. Yeah. Okay, number five. I love this song. Elvis Costello's genius number. That's my word. Yeah. Genius number. Let Him Dangle was about which executed man in the UK? Really good song, really sad case as well. <clears throat> These are guesses. Okay. Number six. Bastille's Pompeii is about Pompeii and the volcanic eruption. But who can do the best impression of the opening vocals of this song? Would you like to go first then? How does this start? I need, I need that. Jay, would you like to start? Oh, no, so wait, then what's the... Which you just gotta do the. That's not bad, NJ. 
I've got to win that. Uh, no, yours wasn't even right. <laughs> yours, yeah, yours was, yours was a little truncated. Ah, truncated <laughs> at, at best. Am I having the point for that? Uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reserve judgment till the end. Okay. I'm going to reflect on both of those masterpieces. Number seven. In which year was Sunday Bloody Sunday that you two sung about? Do you know what year it was? If you're not sure, I'll give you the closest. The closest to the point. What year was it? Sunday Bloody Sunday. Number eight. Now this is another. This is another piece of genius. What does "Strange Fruit" by Billie Holiday talk about? So what is it about? What does it mean? What is the strange fruit? <sighs> Number nine. Why are we both high up? <laughs> Number nine. Where did one of Nana's original red balloons float over to give her inspiration for her song? So this red balloon floated over something and she saw it and it gave her inspiration. What did it float over? Absolutely no idea. These are, I'm guessing yeah, though. Yeah. My last five have been guesses. Oh. Or am I just leading you into a false sense of security? <laughs> I've seen you do these quizzes before. I know. I'm, I'm, people I'm people end up getting thrashed. And finally, number 10. The Rising by Bruce Springsteen is about which event in US history? The Boss. Okay. Ready? Let's Ready as ever, Bobby. We're looking for 10 out of 10 here, guys. I changed my first one so you don't think I've cheated. Okay, right, number one. Let's go. Boney M. Sung, where I speak to him, but what was his first name? Jay? What'd you go for? Gregory. <laughs> I went for Gregor. You could both have it. It's Grigori, but I will Gregor, give yeah. both of you the point because that was a Russian language. That's fine, well done. Uh, orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark Call when they hit Enola Gay, but what is the Enola Gay? What was it? The plane that dropped <coughs> um, the atom bomb. Yeah, that's a big boy. Very good. The plane that dropped the atom bomb. The vaccines wrote about Bikini Atoll, but what is Bikini Atoll? I said it was the place where the atomic bomb testing site was. Excellent. Yeah, I didn't have an answer for that. Yeah, that's good. It's in the Pacific, in the Pacific. Yeah. Very good. Which Cranberry song famously dealt with the issue of the Troubles? Zombie. Zombie. Oh, God, yes. Classic. Elvis Costello's genius let him dangle was about which executed man in the UK? Charles I first. No, Derek Bentley. So he was, he was just but, in... But I thought it, Charles I was beheaded and he said let him dangle so he obviously got hung. So yeah. uh... Derek Bentley, right, him and uh, Chris Craig, they uh, were doing a robbery and it went wrong and um, a policeman was shot and killed but by Chris Craig but he wasn't old enough to be executed. So Derek Bentley didn't shoot anyone um, but he was the one that they executed for in part of that crime. Poor Derek, I don't know. I always thought that was very bad, terrible. Uh, number six, Bastille's Pompeii. He just put a tick on his. Having <laughs> <laughs> the points, I was better. I think I'll I, give him that. I'll yeah. give him that. Yeah, I'll give him that. But thank you very much for taking part. Neither of you just there was no stage fright. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Number seven, let's go. In which it was Bloody Sunday that you two sung about? I went with like the Irish in the Irish Independence. I went nineteen sixteen. So did I. Sixteen? Oh God, no. Seventy-two is Bloody Sunday, isn't it? 
It's the, I went with the first. Yeah. The first, yeah, no. It's, 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 I, yeah, went, with, I went with the right. zombies, same old scene since 1960. Very good. No, 1972, but you both can have a point. You both got it, so you can both get it. That's fine. Huh. Strange fruit. What is the strange fruit on the trees at Billy Holiday singing? I no about? idea. I said temptation. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't have an answer for that. Yeah, sorry. It's the lynched African Americans in the South. So the okay. body's hanging off it. Yeah. Uh, terrible, but very excellent song, very powerful. Number nine, where did one of Nana's original red balloons float over? Well, I went, seeing as it was a German version, so I said Berlin Wall. Very good. Float over the Berlin Wall, she saw it coming over, she wrote this song. Come on, mate, <laughs> you're getting the thrash. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting a lick. Number the... 10, The Rising is about which event? I went with the uh, Revolutionary War of 1812. No. War of Independence? No, 9-11. One, two, three, four, five, six. I'll take that. That's a seven out of ten. Oh, that's very good. Five. Oh, that's that's very respectable. Done. Well done, guys. Thank you very much. That was an excellent quiz. Well done. I think it was well put together. A lot of history. A bit like your ensemble today. (laughs) Really, Johnny Cash. Yeah, man in black, (laughs) innit? I love it. Okay. Well, uh, that was our. I can't really call it a return. I won't call it a comeback. We've been here for months. That was just a little left. Yeah. Wait, what, who's all that song? Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. No idea. That's hip hop. You should know that better than I should. Hip-hop. That's embarrassing. Uh, well, we'll come back next week with that answer. Listen again if you want to know the exciting answer <laughs> to that one. And send us some more questions. More questions. But not you, topics. Mike. No, not, not, not that one about whatever that was. Why do we complain? We will uh, get to Demi's question next week. We will. And we will also have a little film review for you for Napoleon. And Bea will be back and she's got some uh, teaching and learning for us. Excellent. We look forward to that. Hopefully she'll have a quiz as well. Well, thank Sorry. you very much for coming on, Joe. We really appreciate that as ever. Thank you very much. And we'll see you again, I hope. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we're off to watch a film. So for now, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. See ya. See you soon.